with us for the summer, you'll know that we are in the book of Proverbs. We're going through Proverbs 1 through 9 is our plan. Uh, and uh, we're getting there. We're about halfway through. We're going to be looking at Proverbs 4.20 through Proverbs 5.14. Uh, that's where we're going to be today. It's a big passage that typically doesn't really get put together. Um, and so when Justin and I were talking about what was going to happen, who was going to preach what, I had this crazy idea that I could put these things together and uh, we'll see if it works. But we're, uh, we're here and we're going to look at this passage that is lengthy and yet I believe is absolutely one of the passages that is so key to how we live in the world that we, have been, that we live in. We live in a world in which we need to hear the truth that we see throughout Scripture, specifically in Proverbs 4 and Proverbs 5. But even today, what we're going to do, and you guys are used to this with me many times as we look at this passage, we'll jump around in lots of Scripture to see what the whole of the Bible says. And what I've come to see is that Proverbs is a book, yes, but it kind of is a summary encapsulation of all of the Bible, how we find wisdom through Christ. And so that's what we're going to be focusing on today. And we will start with a little bit of review, if you remember where we've been. If you remember specifically the last few weeks... Uh, Pastor Justin has been introducing us to these convergent, divergent paths. Wisdom way and wickedness way. We can live in a way in which we walk in wisdom and follow wisdom way, or we can choose to walk in wickedness way, which is the opposite of wisdom. Wisdom is listening to Jesus and following him, and wickedness is listening to ourselves and following our own way. The end of wickedness way leads to destruction. The end of wisdom way leads to life everlasting and glorious rewards in Christ. That's, in a nutshell, what we've been seeing. That there are two ways to go. There's wisdom way and wickedness way. And it's easy for people to get distracted from walking on wisdom way. Because sometimes it's hard. It's full of tribulation. It's full of trouble. And so sometimes it seems easier to walk down wickedness way. And yet, wickedness way will always lead to destruction. So today, as we think about wisdom way versus wickedness way, which way are we walking? I want us to examine the motto of, wis- of wisdom way, and import- more importantly, I guess today, the motto of wickedness way. What is the motto of wickedness way? And I want to say in the world we live in today, and I believe this has not changed at all, uh, in our world today we tend to see this and say, wow, this is crazy how much we see this, but I think we've seen it all through history. But the motto of Wickedness Way has been and is, follow your heart. You can hear this everywhere in our world, from popular TV shows to music, everywhere we go, everything we listen to. There's so much saying, follow your heart. Let your heart lead you. Don't worry about making decisions with your mind or any other, or don't worry about what anybody else says. All that matters is that you follow your heart. And the message there seems very nice. It seems very hallmarky, right? So follow your heart because you, you, you don't listen to anyone else, but just do what is right for you because that's how you'll find fulfillment in life. And the message is repackaged in so many different ways. Even in advertisements, we see advertisements that are basically saying, just do, get this product because you need to follow what you want. You need to follow your heart. Uh, Even kids' movies are in this vein of thinking. That all that matters in this life is that you do what feels right to you, and if you can do what your heart tells you to do, then everything is going to work out fine. 
And that, I want to say today, is the exact opposite of what the motto of wisdom way is. See, wickedness way's motto is follow your heart. So if you're following, if you're walking on this path, the one who you're following on this path is yourself. It's your feelings. It's, it's your heart itself. And we know the Bible tells us that our heart is wicked. And we're going to see that in a moment. But the idea of this motto saying follow your heart could not be further from the truth and could not be further from the way of wisdom. And so today, as we look at this passage, I want us to challenge the motto of this world and get away from the idea that we are called to follow our heart and instead that we need to lead our heart. That we need to step in front of our heart with truth. And as we get to the end of this, spoiler alert, I'm going to remind us all again that at the end of the day, like if we're going to lead our heart, it's only by following Jesus. So it's not that we have the power in ourselves to lead our hearts, but we trust that he will lead our hearts and we walk in step with him. But we are as told in Proverbs that there are ways that we can think about how then we can live in, in a world that says follow your heart, but instead choose ways to lead or guard our heart, which is what we'll talk about today. Proverbs twenty three nineteen, which is not where we are today, but we are going to be there um, in... Uh, but actually, wait, sorry, I got ahead of myself. I want to go to Mark 7, 21 first. Mark 7, 21, uh, when wickedness way says, follow your heart, what does Jesus tell us? And this is a reminder. Je- Pastor Justin already talked about this, so I'm just going to read it again. What did Jesus say about our hearts? He said this in Mark 7, 21 through 23. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these things come from within, and they defile a person. This, these words are straight from the mouth of Jesus as he walked among us, and it makes it very clear that to follow our heart does not lead to what the world says following our heart leads to. It doesn't lead to fulfillment and happiness, and uh, we all live happily ever after. No, following our heart leads to evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. And it's defiling. We defile ourselves by following our heart. We cannot believe the lie of this world that says follow your heart and do whatever you feel like. Because that is sin and it leads to destruction. So again, as we just then go on and say the next thing we're talking about here is that if we're not to follow, we need to lead our heart. So Wisdom Way says lead our heart. Proverbs twenty three nineteen. This is another proverb, but it says this. Hear my son, and we hear this over and over again as... Uh, the Proverbs are speaking father to son. Hear my son and be wise. And how do we be wise? Well, and direct your heart in the way. The word direct here could be lead and lead your heart in the way. So how do we direct our heart? Well, in the passage we're going to look at today, we're going to see a different word used than direct or lead, but I believe it has the same idea. In the passage we're looking at today, we're going to be looking at Proverbs 4 verses 20, and we're going to start verses 20, 20 through 23 as we start here. Proverbs 20, or sorry, Proverbs 4, 20 through 23. All right, it says this. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence, or with all vigilance, vigilance, wow. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. 
So here we see, again, we see this happen time and time again as uh, Solomon is passing on wisdom to not only his kids but also to those who would read this, to those who would be here today listening to these words. What is it that we need to do? He says, be attentive to my words. We've talked about this. This is being listening to the words that are inspired by God himself, the words of God, following the word of God, and that's how we then continue walking in wisdom. Not Don't let them escape because they give us life. We've seen this over and over again. This is a pattern we'll see through Proverbs. Follow the words of God and they will lead to life. But then he goes on in, in, in verse 23, which is really going to be our theme verse, if you will, for today, is this. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Everything in life will flow from your heart. So the Proverbs says... Keep your heart. Another word to use here would to be guard or protect. I believe keeping, guarding, and protecting is very similar to the word that we would use today of leading your heart. The understanding is, is that we are keeping it away from the way, the, from wickedness way, and we are letting, we are leading our heart down wisdom way instead. So today what we're going to answer is how do we do that? If that's true, if we're called to lead and guard our heart, how do we do that? Well, we're going to get there by remembering a good old children's song that many of you may have sung in all the way back in when you were young as a child in church, in junior church, Sunday school, and that's this song, and I'll start it, and you guys will be sorry that I'm singing, but then you'll finish it. Oh, be careful, little, what you see. Oh, be careful, little eyes. For the Father up above, looking down in love, the little eyes, what you see. All right, we don't need to sing the whole song. We could, but um, in just a minute, we're going to get to that phrase. I know that's where it starts, okay, but that song has many verses, if you'll remember. And what we're going to do today is we're going to take one verse at a time, not in order, by the way, and we're going to look at then how that then applies to what we're looking at here in Proverbs. And so I'll try not to sing too much, but at times it might just come out. Um, And we're going to start with one of the verses that says this. Oh, be careful, little tongue, what you say. All right, so that's where we're going to be. Oh, be careful, little tongue, what you say. That's where we're going to start. But why do we start there? Well, let's look at Proverbs 4.24. Proverbs 4.24 says this. Put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. All right, so we start there. Be careful, little tongue, what you say. If we want to guard and lead our heart, then what we will do to do that is we will start by being careful what we say. And I want to boil this down to a phrase that I think is really important as we think about how wisdom relates to Jesus. And that is that as we look at this, as we're thinking about be careful, little tongue, what you say, we could also say it this way. Speak like Jesus. Speak like Jesus. And so we're going to see what that looks like in the New Testament as well as, uh, and, and then talk about how that applies to us today. So let's go to James 3.8. James 3.8, be careful little tongue what you say. Remember we're in Proverbs 4 that says we need to make sure that we are guarding our tongue and not saying the wrong things. James 3.8 through 10 reminds us, it says, But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. 
This is a reminder in James 3. We could look at even more verses in James 3 that remind us how important it is that our tongues are tamed. But remembering that we can't tame them, we need Christ's help to tame them. Because if we don't, then blessing and cursing come from the same mouth, and that mouth can be defiling to us and to others. That's a reminder in James chapter 3. So then, how then do we speak? Well, let's go back to Ephesians. Book of Ephesians 4. Uh, we're going to look at three verses from Ephesians 4 as well as uh, chapter 5, verse 4. It says this, Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. Uh, so we speak the truth in love. So we speak truth to people, but we do it in a loving way. And also we speak the truth of God to people. Because the truth of God is love. All right. 25, 4.25. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. So we don't use our tongues to lie. Verse 29. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as good for building up as it fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. And then 5.4 says this. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. The New Testament tells us that how we speak to, how we speak with, and how we speak about others needs to be good and helpful, not corrupting and hurtful. That is very clear through the book of Ephesians and through the book of James and through really much of the scripture. Going back to Proverbs chapter 4, we see that. We remember that what needs to be done is we want to lead and guide our heart. It's going to mean that we are going to put away crooked speech. And we're going to put away devious talk. We're going to speak truth. We're going to be truthful. We're not going to lie to one another. We're going to speak in ways that build each other up. We're going to speak in ways that are going to be loving and kind. Not corrupting. I think this is... So important as we think about how do we lead our heart and not let our heart be the one that leads us so many times. And Jesus would tell us in the New Testament, by the way, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And that's true because the heart and the mouth are so connected. But I think the connection can go the other way. If we continually speak in ways that are angry and, and unforgiving and not truthful, if we speak in ways that are corrupting, crude, ways that are not ways that God would have us to speak, then we are informing our heart that that is how this goes. We need to follow our heart and say whatever comes to our mind because, hey, I deserve to say whatever I want to say. We have seen so many people and relationships ruined because of what people say. Words are destructive but they can also be constructive. So it's not that the words themselves are the problem. It's not like we should walk around never saying anything to anyone. But instead, we need to be talking in ways that will build people up and also be filled with thanksgiving. So here's a couple things. I mean, not only are we not called to like make fun of people or say crude things, we're also not called to walk around complaining all the time. That's not a spirit of thanksgiving. Now, it's one thing to admit that there's something wrong in our life that we're dealing with, that we're struggling through, but we need to speak of it as though we are thankful because we should be thankful. Our words should communicate that we're building people up and that we're being thankful to God and building his name up. That's how our words need to be used. The world doesn't use words this way. The world uses words either to hurt or to whine and complain. We're not called to either of those, and there's so many more things that could fit in this category. We could talk about dirty jokes, we could talk about profanity, cuss words, all of those things. I don't want to sit here and give you a list of the things you should say and the things you shouldn't say. I'm going to say that you guys can 
process that on your own as you work through God's word and as you allow the Holy Spirit to teach you that. But I, just to put this out there, we all, and I throw myself in here because I know I've said so many things that I've regretted. We all need to be careful about how we speak. If we want to walk in wisdom way and lead our heart and guard our heart, we're going to speak in a way that is uplifting and thankful. And that's what I want to encourage all of us today. Let's move on to principle number two today. So be careful, little tongue, what you say. The next one is what we've already saying. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. Chapter 4, verse 25. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. So be careful, little eyes, what you see. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. We should not allow our eyes to draw us away from wisdom way. We should not allow our eyes to, to lead us to follow our heart, but instead what we look at will help us as we seek to guard and guide our heart. And so we see here that the, the phrase I'd like to use here is the first phrase was speak like Jesus. This one is look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. Instead of all the world, the world says, look at this, look at me, look at that. Instead, we need to be focused on Jesus. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So I'm actually going to the book of Psalm, uh, book of Psalms, and we're going to go Psalm 101, verse 3. Uh, and just as a reminder of what uh, the Old Testament continues to speak of, but then we're also going to go to the New Testament in just a moment. It says this in Psalm 101, 3, I will not set before my eyes anything that is worthless, I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not cling to me. This is a Davidic psalm that also is used to look forward to the Messiah. But what we see here is that it's important for the Davidic king, and in the future from this point on would be the Messiah, that we have not set before their eyes anything that is worthless. We hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not cling to us. So as we see Psalm 101, we see that it's important that we don't set anything in front of our eyes that is worthless. What does the New Testament have to say about this? Well, let's just look at Hebrews 12. Uh, Pastor Justin mentioned this either last week or the week before, but Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily, which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. This passage is very clear. In this world of sin that clings to us, instead of letting it cling and be focused on what's clinging to us, instead we look forward to Jesus. He set before us. We look to him. We focus on him. Now we can't focus on Jesus unless we know Jesus. And so we need to know the gospel We need to know that he lived a perfect life, died a death for our sins so that we could be forgiven and have eternal life. That we didn't deserve that, but he did that freely and we can receive that through grace. That Jesus loved us enough to do all of that for us. But we also understand as we look to Jesus, we need to know him by knowing his word, what he says to us. A developing relationship with him is how we focus on Jesus. But the world has all sorts of things that it wants to distract us with. It can be as extreme as something like pornography. That's a huge problem in our culture today. Look at this, look at that, because that's where you need to focus. But I would say it's not, it doesn't have to be that extreme. How many times have we looked at things with greed, looked at this world with discontentment? We look around and we get distracted by what the world is showing us, and we forget that we're looking forward, we're focusing on Jesus on the race. For running down the path 
of Wisdom Way and this race that we're talking about, it's, if we get distracted and look towards Wickedness Way and say, well, what's going on over there? Maybe I want to be over there. It's going to draw our hearts away. And so to guard our hearts, to lead our hearts, we need to focus on Jesus and put aside all the things that we see around us. Whether that's entertainment choices, whether that is, uh, like I've already mentioned, seeing stuff that we want. Our eyes can be distracted because our world is full of ways to look at all sorts of things. But if we lose our focus on Jesus, we're going to lose our heart. And so we need to be careful about what we see. Be careful little eyes what you see. Principle three, oh, be careful little mind what you think. Oh, be careful little mind what you think. Verse 26, ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Ponder, consider, think about, plan out, look ahead and see what is happening. Where am I going and why am I going there? That word ponder is full of so much meaning. To ponder, to look into, to look forward to, to see what is going on. And we think about all those things. And so in order to lead our heart, we need to Be careful, little mind, what we think. We need to think like Jesus. We need to think like Jesus. And what is, where do we see that in scripture? Well, let's go to Philippians chapter 2 to start with. Philippians 2, 3 through 5. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others as more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. But watch this here. Have this mind among yourselves which is yours in Christ Jesus. Then it goes on, and just for time's sake, it goes on to talk about how Jesus gave his very life for us, became a human for us to then die on the cross. He was willing to do that, to be humble, and to look out for the interests of others, and therefore we should have the same mind in us. That's what the scriptures say. So if we're going to think like Jesus, we need to be careful little mind what we think, We need to think about others, think about God first, others second, and not our own selves. That is humility, and that's the way Jesus thought, and that's the way we should think. There's more to it than just that. How else do we think like Jesus? How else are we careful what we think? Colossians 3, 2 through 4. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Colossians 3, 2 through 4, and really the whole book of Colossians reminds us that in this world, we need to be thinking about setting our minds on not the things of this world, but the things of the next. We need to set our mind on eternity. And we set our mind on eternity by remembering and thinking about Jesus. What he's done, what he's doing, what he will do, We think about that. That should overwhelm our mind. And instead of thinking the way this world says to think, we instead want to think like Jesus would think. What does this look like? Well, we need to think about others and we need to think about eternity. That's the way of wisdom. To walk down wisdom way is to think about how we can serve and love others the way Jesus did. It's also to think about the destination there where we're headed. If we are thinking about where we're going, then we will have less time to think about where we are. And we need to think about where we're going, and and that destination, again, is Jesus himself. This world has a couple ways of thinking on the the walkway of wickedness, on the way of wickedness. 
One that's very popular is look out for number one, right? That's the thinking of this world. This, what's important in our world today is to look out for number one, and number one is you. Do what makes you feel right. It goes back to follow the heart, but it also goes into so many other things. Don't worry about other people. Only worry about yourself because you're the only one that matters in this world. Look out for number one. We see it all throughout the world. That is wickedness way. It's just another way of saying follow your heart to look out for number one. One we talked about recently with our young adult group is YOLO. If you're not familiar with YOLO, um, it is you only live once. The idea of YOLO was this thought process for the longest time that since you only live once, you need to just live life up and do whatever you can. It's the modern version of uh, eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. That's the understanding. It's like just do whatever you want to do to get out of life whatever you want to get out because you only live once, so go for it. That is also the mindset of this world. To look out for number one, but then also this idea of YOLO. We live on this world once, so enjoy it to its maximum. doesn't matter what you do. doesn't matter who you hurt. doesn't matter how crazy or how wrong. There, there is no, just do whatever makes you feel good now, because now is all you have. That's really what YOLO, YOLO is all about. But Colossians 3, 2 through 4 says, no, you, you live forever. You only live forever. So what you do here matters for, for, for the future. And so, yeah, we can enjoy life, don't get me wrong, but we enjoy life in the, with the filter of what's coming next, that we are living this life to lead into the next, the eternal life that Jesus gives us. That's how we should live as Christians, not YOLO, not just trying to get as much out of this life as we can, but instead to look forward to what we do here, how it impacts what's going to happen for the rest of eternity. And so that's how we think like Jesus That's how we are careful, little mind, what we think. That's how we lead our heart. Next principle. Well, be careful, little feet, where you go. Well, be careful, little feet, where you go. Verse 27. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. Proverbs are pretty clear here. As we're talking about how do you guard your heart, well, you think about where you're going, but then also as you're going, you don't swerve to the right or the left, and you turn away from evil. These are things that talk about where we go. So in other words, as we think about how this would walk, talk to us, walk like Jesus. Walk like Jesus. Going back to the book of Psalms, this is, a, this is how the book of Psalms starts, and it reminds us what's most important, really, as we go to Psalms 1, 1 and 2. And it said this, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. See how the mind and the feet go together here. What you think about, what you ponder, will lead to where you go, but there comes to the point where you're going to walk, not in the counsel of the wicked, but you're going to walk by being delighted in the law of the Lord. We're going to not walk in the ways of the wicked. We're not going to walk in the counsel of the wicked, which is wickedness way. We're not going to walk in the counsel of this world. I'm going to live how this world wants me to live and do what this world says I should do. But instead, we're going to live how Jesus would have us live, how the Bible says we should live, and walk in that way and not walk in the way of this world. So it's important that we are careful little feet where we go because we walk like Jesus. You'll remember 1 John, I'm sure, 1 John 2.6 says this, Whoever says he abides in him, talking about Jesus, ought also ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Our ultimate example of what we should do in this life is to look and see what Jesus, how he walked in this world. 
Now, obviously, we're not Jesus, so we're not going to be perfectly like him. But we can look through scripture, know his life, see what he teaches us, and to walk as Jesus walked is to listen to his word and follow his way. That is the point. We are called in this world, be careful little feet where you go. Where we go matters. We need to be putting ourselves in places where we will be built up, in places that will be knowing Jesus more, not going places where we're going to be drawn away from him. I mean, there's obvious implications to this. We shouldn't walk into places or go to places where sin is going to draw us in. You know, we need to be careful about where we go. But it's even more importantly just to think about where we walk in this world and how we use the principles of this world to choose how we live. Because we just talked about the thinking of this world. Look out for number one and YOLO and any other thought process that this world has. It's just a thought process until you act on it. And people do act on these things. We see people getting burned left and right because they look out for number one. We see people living a YOLO life that doesn't consider anybody and anything but just having fun in this world. And we've seen the destruction that it causes. We need to make sure that we don't go those ways. But instead we walk with Jesus. We walk towards Jesus. We walk like Jesus. That is what the Bible says we should do. To walk like Jesus is to walk away from sin and then walk on wisdom way. Walk according to his word through delighting in his word. We delight in his word, so we walk in it. We love the path that we're on. Even when tribulation comes, we still delight in knowing what he is saying to us, and therefore we stay on the path of wisdom. We don't get distracted and walk away onto the path of wickedness, but instead we follow Jesus, and so we walk like Jesus. That's important. If we want to guard our heart, it matters where we go and what we do. A lot of people say, well, it doesn't really matter if, if I go places and do things that are questionable because I, I am free in Christ to do so. That might be true. You've got freedom, but is that wisdom to walk in places and to do things that you know are against what Christ would have you do? No, it's not wisdom. It draws us away from Christ and towards the world. Principle number five, be careful little ears what you hear. Principle number five, our last principle for this morning. Be careful, little ears, what you hear. This is a lengthy passage. This is where we're going to end, but it's chapter five, verses one through 14. Follow along with me. My son, be attentive to my wisdom. Incline your ear to my understanding, that you may keep discretion and your lips may guard knowledge. For the lips of a forbidden woman drip honey, and her speech is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is as bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps follow the path of Sheol. She does not ponder the path of life. Her ways wander, and she does not know it. And now, O sons, listen to me, and do not depart from the words of my mouth. Keep your way far from her, and do not go near the door of her house." Lest you give your honor to others and your years to the merciless. Lest strangers take their fill of your strength and your labors go to the house of a foreigner. And at the end of your life you groan when your flesh and body are consumed. And you say, how I hated discipline and my heart despised reproof. I did not listen to the voice of my teachers or incline my ears to my instructors. I am at the brink of utter ruin in the assembled congregation. This passage is lengthy. And at first look... At first look, you say, well, this passage is obviously about 
adultery? I'm going to say yes and. We're going to look at what this passage might have to do with today. So what we're talking about again is be careful little ears what you hear. Another way you could say that is listen to Jesus. But to listen to Jesus, it means not listening to others. Who are we not to listen to? So let's look at this passage. And basically what we're saying today is that we need to listen to Jesus and not the seductress of this world. You see, the seductress of this world, wickedness way, really what we're going to, what I'm going to start calling is woman wickedness, wants to lead us astray. Now, if you'll remember where we've been um, throughout the book of Proverbs, you'll remember we've been introduced to someone that we've come to love and know, and that is Lady Wisdom. Not only should we know Lady Wisdom, but we should marry Lady Wisdom. That's come up over and over again through the book of Proverbs, and I want us to draw back into that as we think about what this passage might really be saying. Because it would be very easy to look at this passage, and by the way, many other passages that are coming, that seem to be talking about physical adultery cheating on your spouse, and look at it as, okay, it's not wise to commit adultery. Well, that should be obvious to all of us. And I think that is definitely in here. Like, it's pretty obvious that that is true. But remember how the rest of Proverbs has been going. Marriage to Lady Wisdom has been a metaphor for living a life in which we walk in wisdom by listening to Jesus. So if walking in wisdom and listening to Jesus is being married to Lady Wisdom, then as we are now again, and we've already seen her once, but introduced to the forbidden woman, who is this forbidden woman? Well, I, as I've looked through things, and some people agree, some people don't. I'm just going to put it that way. But I believe that, yes, this passage is about physical adultery. Yes, it's all true that. You could look at it that way. But I believe this passage also is a metaphor for wickedness way. Whereas there's a lady wisdom, I believe there is a woman wickedness. Lady wisdom and woman wickedness do not go together. If we are to follow, if we are to listen to woman wickedness, we are going to be cheating on lady wisdom. There's adultery there. Uh, That is what really I believe is that Solomon is really trying to get at. Yes, stay away from the forbidden woman. Yes, don't commit adultery. That is unwise. That is sinful. But in the context of what we're talking about, we've been talking about being married to Lady Wisdom. Now all of a sudden this forbidden woman is speaking in ways to draw us away from our wife who should be Lady Wisdom. Uh, the New Testament talks about this. I don't have this on the screen, so just listen to this passage. I mean, the, world, the New Testament talks about this being a thing. Uh, I want to go to just James 4. Uh, James 4, 4 says this. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us? So as we think about that passage, and we think now back to Proverbs, it goes to say that going the way of wickedness is cheating on, is committing adultery on lady wisdom. What I don't want you to hear is to say that this passage doesn't mean that you shouldn't go, you shouldn't commit adultery. You should not commit adultery. That is throughout scripture. Sexual immorality needs to be put far away from us. That is true. But metaphorically, we also need to put away the, the woman of wickedness of this world. The forbidden woman is the wicked world that wants us to cheat on Lady Wisdom. She's got those, the words that are sweet. 
uh, and smooth. The, her sweet lips and her smooth talking want to lead us to sin and destruction. Notice in, cha- in verse five, or chapter 5, talks about how we, first of all, be attentive to my wisdom. Again, listen to the right people that you may keep discretion. Your lips may guard knowledge. For the lips of a forbidden woman drip honey, and her speech is smoother than oil. She has sweet lips and smooth talk. But at the end, what do we get? She's bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go to death. Her, her steps follow the path to Sheol. She does not ponder the path of life. Her ways wander, and she does not know it. Later on, uh, as he continues to say that, he says, What's going to happen if you listen to woman wickedness? When you go to the door of her house, when you listen to woman wickedness, you're going to give your honor to others and your years to the merciless. Strangers will take your fill of their strength. Laborers go to the house of a foreigner. At the end of your life, you will groan. Your flesh and body are consumed. Think about all this passage is talking about. And it's destruction. Later on in verse 14, I'm at the brink of utter ruin in the assembled congregation. The smooth talking of this world, the the honey, the sweet lips and the smooth talking that this world tries to say, just like follow your heart, sounds so nice, sounds so romantic, but it's not. It might sound sweet. You might think it's smooth, but it's not. It's only going to lead to destruction. It's going to lead you into adultery and you're going to cheat on lady wisdom and it's going to destroy you. I believe chapter 5 here in Proverbs, yes, talks about physical adultery, but it also talks about metaphorical adultery when we, had, when we choose to cheat on wisdom and follow lady wickedness, to go to her door, to give ourselves into the world, because that's what sounds right. That's what sounds like we should do. But we instead need to listen to Jesus and not the adulteress of this world. Matthew seven twenty four reminds us how important it is to be wise and listen to Jesus' words. Pastor Justin, again, used this passage a few weeks ago. It says this, Everyone then who hears the, these words of mine, this is Jesus talking, and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. How are we wise? Well, we listen to the words of Jesus. As it would go on, the foolish person doesn't listen to Jesus. So what might, what might we listen to that would create problems? Well, let's look at the next passage in uh, Colossians 2. Colossians 2, 3 through 4. And then verse 8 as well. We're reminded again where wisdom comes from, in whom, Christ, are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of this world, and not according to Christ. Isn't that the world we live in? A world that is trying to bring us plausible arguments that will take us captive by philosophy and empty deceit. Is that not where we live right now? We've just entered, we're going into the end of our ABF series on male and female, he created them. And that whole series is all about how the world tries to put together plausible arguments that could take us captive by their philosophy. And yes, even empty deceit, lies, to try to deceive us, to try to help us, to make us see that, the world we think it should, the way it should be according to scripture is wrong. But if we are to be held in Jesus, if we are to know Jesus, we know that it's in him that all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden. Not in this world. And so we run to his word, we run to Jesus, let him inform us what truth is, not what the world says truth is. 
I know I'm getting away from Proverbs 5 a little bit here, but I don't think it's pretty clear in in Proverbs 5 what the seductress, what the adulteress, what what the prostitute will do. They'll they'll draw people away from their spouse. And that's what the world is trying to do. Say, yeah, uh, you think you know Lady Wisdom, but listen to my argument. Doesn't that sound better than what Lady Wisdom says? Doesn't that sound more, make more sense than what the Bible says? And all sorts of justification, all sorts of uh, ways are used to get us to start doubting wisdom and truth. But we need to make sure if we're going to guard our heart and lead it and not follow it, that we need to not listen to the philosophies of this world, but we need to listen to Jesus Christ. If we want wisdom, if we want to remain faithful to Lady Wisdom, remain faithful to God, remain faithful to His Word, We're only going to do that by listening to him and not listening to the world around us. That is clearly seen here as we go through Proverbs. So again, if you want to guide and lead your heart, you're going to be careful what your your little tongue, what you say. Be careful little eyes, what you see. Be careful little mind, what you think. Be careful little feet, where you go. And be careful little ears, what you hear. But there is one more verse in that children's song. Maybe some of you know it. Maybe some of you don't even remember it was there because I didn't remember it was there. But it's the very last verse, I believe, and it says this. Oh, be careful, little heart, whom you trust. Today, as we finish, as we conclude, we want to consider that last line. Be careful, little heart, whom you trust. And this is the passage that I want us to read this morning as we consider this. Philippians 4, 4 through 9. says this. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your, reasonable, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Then we go on and read further in this passage. So then after learning that that's how this will go, it says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. As we look at Philippians chapter 4, we see some key thoughts here. The first thought I want us to go to, and this is, I said this earlier, but this is the key that we need to also remember. It's a little misleading as we've been going through this, and I keep saying you need to lead your heart. Because in the end of the day, we can't lead our hearts because our hearts are too de- deceitful to lead. So, therefore, we need help. And the only help comes from God himself. God is the one who guards our hearts. God is the one who leads our hearts. We see that in Philippians 4, 7. It's the peace of God when we come and and we're not anxious and thinking about the things of this world, but instead we go to him and we ask for his help and we, we are thankful for what he's doing in our lives and we let our requests be known because we know that he can handle it. We know that when our hearts are drawing us away, when we are tempted to follow our heart instead of lead and guard it, what we need to do is come to Jesus. We need to ask God for help because he will give it to us. And when he gives it to us, he will give us the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. We won't get it because his wisdom is so much bigger than our wisdom. But when that happens, he will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. 
only Jesus Christ will really guard our hearts. So in order to have a heart that is led and guarded instead of a heart that is we're following our heart, we need Jesus. Leading our heart in wisdom really boils down to trusting in the one who can give us true peace and a new heart. This will lead us then to those verses that we read in verses 8 and 9. It will lead us as as God is changing our hearts, as he is leading our hearts, it'll result in the fact that we will dwell on the good things of wisdom way and not on the things of wickedness way. All these things, honorable things, just things, pure things, lovely things, commendable things, excellent things, worthy of things that are worthy of praise. These are the things that will consume us because we are being led by God and our hearts are being led by him. And we are guarding our hearts by letting him guard our hearts with his peace. And as we do that, then, that the drawing of wickedness way of wickedness woman, as she tries to draw us away from Lady Wisdom to say, you know, you need to come this way. Come to me and I will fulfill all your desires. And yet it only leads to destruction. God's way leads to peace. Wickedness way leads to destruction. Just in general, if you want to talk about wisdom, it'd be pretty stupid to walk down wickedness way when it leads to destruction. And pretty smart to go on wisdom way, which leads to peace. But those are the decisions that we have to make. Which way are we going to follow? Are we going to follow our hearts down wickedness way? Are we going to follow Jesus down wisdom way? So my question to all of us as we leave today is going to be this. Who are you trusting your heart to? Who are you trusting your heart to? Are you trusting your heart to yourself? Are you trusting your heart even to other people? Are you letting the world tell you what your heart needs to feel and therefore you're following your heart? Or are you trusting in Jesus? And here's the simple truth. Whatever you are trusting, whatever or whoever you are trusting your heart to, it will show up in the way you live. It'll show up in the way, in what you say. It'll show up in what you see. It'll show up in how you think. It'll show up in what you do. And it'll show up in who or what you listen to. As we've looked at all of these things, our heart and all these things, our speech, our sight, our minds, our feet, our ears, all of those things will be led by our heart. So we need to guard our heart. So are you trusting your heart to Jesus? Or are you trusting your heart to yourself? Or are you trusting your heart to this world? Are you allowing woman wickedness to draw you away? I can't answer that question for you. You need to ask God for help. Ask God to lead you. Ask God to lead your heart. And if you see that you're going down the path of wickedness way, repent, turn, come back to wisdom way. With that being said, I don't know, do we have time for a song? Do we have another song? Or not? We good? We got one ready? All right, so let's go ahead and have our worship team come on up. And uh, we'll sing one final song together. But again, as we sing, we're reminded of the one who we trust is not our own hearts. But the one we trust is Jesus and Jesus alone. And so we have an opportunity right now to praise and worship him with our hearts, with our minds, with our lips. We're able to praise and worship him now through song. And so I invite everyone to rise and we'll sing this one final song together this morning and then we'll close in prayer.